Thank you for joining us. In our relationships, particularly with family and close friends, we mean well when we say something, yet sometimes our words offend or we say hurtful things we wish we had not said. Once words are spoken, they cannot take them back. Even when we admit our wrongdoing, apologize, and ask for forgiveness, the words not forgotten. If only we would always ask God to guard our tongue and compel us to think before we speak. Listen with Bible pen and paper handy as Pastor Rander imparts how to communicate God's way. Somebody come to you that you like or your friend or whatever, and they say what somebody else did to them, and you get mad with them. I mean, they did that to you, huh, 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 and you all, you losing, you about to get a heart attack with your close friend, your close brother, your sorrow, your frat, whatever they say. Now you mad. You haven't investigated nothing. You don't know any data, don't know any facts. It's just that your friend said it. You personally bias. Which, which is favoring one person's side over the other just because you like them. Now, they told you, now both of y'all don't like the person <laughs> that your friend mad at. So now you mad too. Do not be so quick to take sides because very few people tell the whole truth. You taking sides... They have a, I'm going to tell you something. Very few people tell you everything. You need to ask the question, and what else do I need to know? And if they don't tell you the whole truth and you're making a decision on not the whole truth, that's called deception. Some people have just enough information to be dangerous. That's why I say, stop texting. Some of y'all want to be the first to get the news out. You hear it, and then shoot you on social media, and you got it going to a thousand people. Then it was a mistake. You misheard. Now you can't even retract it, and you've messed up the person's testimony on misinformation because you had to be the first to get the stuff out. You're just messy, messy, messy. Ecclesiastes 12, 13 says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. See, y'all don't even know all this is in the Bible. It's in the Bible. Y'all talking and sending texts and emails. You're sending all this stuff. All this is in the Bible. You won't even pick the Bible up to read it. It's in there if you haven't torn the page out. Let us hear the whole conclusion of the whole matter. Therefore, do not be so quick to run off at the mouth or post on social media. Proverbs 15, 28 says, the heart of the godly thinks carefully before speaking. Now, when you're godly, when you love the Lord, the heart of the godly thinks carefully before speaking. Listen to this. The mouth of the wicked overflows with evil words. They can talk five minutes and they've said 10,000 evil words. The mouth of the wicked overflows with evil words. Number four. Ask the Lord to control your thought life and your tongue. Ask the Lord to control your thought life and your what? And your what? 
I don't understand it, how that tongue can be between an upper set of teeth and a lower set of teeth. And it can so kind of break through <laughs> and poison and kill up a whole lot of folk. Do you not know? I want you to hear me well. It is easier to heal a broken bone than harsh, poisonous words that was spoken to a wife, a husband, or a child. And 30 years later, they're still struggling with those words when that bone was healed in eight weeks. As old lie, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt. That's a lie straight from the pits of hell. They do hurt. Not only do they hurt, those words will kill. They'll kill your joy. They'll kill your dreams. They'll kill your vision. They'll sap all the life out of you. Be careful what you say. My mama told me if you can't say nothing good, just shut up. Proverbs 23, 7, 8 says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. All these scriptures, as he thinks in his heart, that's where it is, in the, in the heart. You say, I slipped. No, you didn't slip. You said just what you meant to say. You speak what you think and you are what you think. You speak what you think and you are what you think. James 3, 6 also says, and among all parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. Fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. The tongue just destroys everything in its sights. It can set your whole life on fire. Put that little, t- that little thing in your mouth called a tongue says what is in your heart. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire. Now, it gets deeper. It is set on fire by hell itself. Some folk are full of hell and that hell come lashing out. Set on fire by hell. An out of control tongue is sinful. An out of control tongue is evil. An out of control tongue is destructive. An an out of control Tongue is absolutely hellish. It can gossip. An out-of-control tongue will lie. An out-of-control tongue will slander. An out-of-control tongue will blaspheme. An out-of-control tongue will abuse. An out-of-control tongue will crush one's spirit. 
An out of control tongue will be hurtful. An out of control tongue corrupt your whole body as well as those around you. Without the Lord's help, it is impossible to tame the tongue. Without the Lord's help, it is impossible to tame the tongue. Without the Lord's help, it is impossible to tame the tongue. Therefore, ask the Lord to create in you a clean heart and a right spirit. Psalms 51.10 says, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. A clean heart. Confess the sins of your heart. You say what's in you. Now, y'all can say all kind of stuff and folk get over it. But now let me say something from the pulpit that's low and bad. You're going to remind me 30 years later. You can do it four times and folk forget. I do it one time and it'll take me to my grave. That's why when y'all talking and I'm counseling, whatever I'm doing, I say, oh, God, give me a word. Give me a word. Let me not speak beyond what you are saying to me. Number five, ask the Lord to teach you how to give soft, spirit-filled answers. Ask the Lord to teach you how to give soft, spirit-filled answers. Proverbs 15 says, a soft answer, a soft answer turns away wrath. But a harsh word stirs up anger. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. You will get more out of any conversation when you speak softly. People are open up to you when you speak softly, tenderly, gently. They'll trust you more. They'll trust you more because you're soft. They say, wow, I feel I can open up with her. I can open up with him. They're not so quick to judge me. They're not so quick to tell me off. They're not so quick to say, I told you so. They're not so quick to say, if you made your bed hard, you got to lay in it. They talk calmly, lovingly. They're not sharp, rough, abrasive. Also, the tone of your voice will create either a turbulent home or an atmosphere of peace in your conversation. What kind of house do you have? What kind of house do you, do you have? What kind of home? Is it turbulent? You can cut that tension with a knife and all of a sudden that knife is dull. Number six, communicating God's way mean you must be a peacemaker. Communicating God's way means you must be a peacemaker. God requires us to communicate in such a way that creates an atmosphere of peace and harmony. Communicating God's way means you must be a what? Peacemaker. God requires us to communicate in such a way that creates an atmosphere of peace and harmony. Only when the Lord's peace abide in you can there be communication that reconciles broken relationships. Matthew 5, 9 says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Only those who possess the peace of Christ in their hearts can be a peacemaker. Now, if it's hell in your heart, you cannot be a peacemaker. 
You're a hell maker. You raise hell wherever you go. A peacemaker has a peaceful family because he, has the, he or she has the peace of Christ in their hearts. Therefore, it is incumbent upon us to have the peace of Christ in us so that we can experience Christ's peace around us. If you want to have peace around you, then you got to be peaceful. Don't expect a peaceful environment when you raise in hell. Number seven, for effective communication, we must be willing to compromise on non-essentials. For effective communication, we must be willing to compromise on non-essential and learn to accept each other's differences of opinion and personal preferences. The sky is not going to fall because of your personal preference. Stop fighting over preferences. Now, if that rascal say I'm going to commit adultery, or she, then that's worth taking a stand on. They try to be getting you to be unethical, steal, and do all this. Then it's time for you to take a stand. But whether you want vanilla chocolate ice cream, don't fight because your husband bought vanilla and you like chocolate. Just tell him to go back to the stove. <laughs> that's all. Just say, honey, could you go back? You say, I forgot. Well, I think you need some more to get some more steps in on your counter. You know, could you? That's all you got to do. Just tell them to go back. Could you go back, please? And say please on it. Some of y'all, you haven't said please in so long. Please got rust all over it. Rust all over it. You can't say please. You can't say thank you. Fix my coffee. Yeah. And man, let me tell you something. These men are good at that. Men, say what you want. Men. No, y'all can't even say it. You know you talk a lot of that. <laughs> men. Stop talking in one word syllables to your wife. Communicate with her. Yeah. No. Uh uh. Later. Maybe. 86 degrees. Golly, Siri says more than that. (laughs) Oh, God. I don't know what I'm going to do with y'all. It's somebody right in this section that needs. Which, what, who is it? Who is it? No, I'm just messing with you. <laughs> they look at me and say, oh, 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 oh. no. <laughs> For effective communication, we must be willing to compromise on non-essentials and learn to accept each other's differences of opinions and personal preferences. For example... Compromise on the thermostat setting. Now, when your children want it cold, they need to pay up some. They want an ice box cold and they ain't paying two cents. Give me this money. You wanted that cold? Cold cash, baby. (laughs) 
thermostat setting, level of lighting in your home. You know, you got these dimmers and lights and you know how they do. You know, everybody got these things, you know, and they got these special kind of lights. Like, you know, we used to have the bulbs that blow out. They don't have blow out now because what, what they call those bulbs now? They last longer. LED. I don't know what I'm talking about. I ain't say BET. I said LED. <laughs> okay. LED. And you can put it up and then I can walk in a room. It's so dark. Then I, I bring it up some. And then another person come in there and then it's, it's twilight. The next person walk in, I walk in, it's bright, bright. I say, y'all, I gotta have it bright. I got glaucoma. I gotta see. I go to the pantry and I'll be doing sugar for salt. <laughs> you know, you, you're fighting over dirty dishes in the sink. One partner, one the husband can want dirty dishes. He can say, I get it later. The wife say, no, let's clean it up. And y'all have a big fight because one want it clean and the other want the dishes in the sink and do it when they get back. Man, just yield and go on. If she washing you dry, if you, you know, y'all just go on team up and get it done. Don't, some things is just not worth fighting over. You're fighting over whether to squeeze or roll the toothpaste too. Whether the toilet paper roll is over or under. Or your spouse's driving tendencies. I don't understand why the passenger can't just enjoy the ride. Just enjoy the ride. If it's making you nervous, pray. That increases your prayer life. I got one deacon, he take me to the airport, and he's about to miss the exit, and then he always comes to a certain stop, and I'm on the other side. He said, Pastor, there ain't no brakes over there. I said, I know it, but I'm trying because you can't. The, the, the driver feel like they in driver school. And then all your kids begin to grow up there in the car. And everybody that's grown got a driver's like that. They're going to tell you how to drive. My children were getting grown in the car. And all of a sudden they said, Daddy, you're going too fast. Daddy, don't you see that car, Dad? I say, look, you couldn't tell me a word when I brought you home from the hospital. <laughs> you couldn't even talk. <laughs> Leave me alone. You know? <laughs> and be willing to compromise on non-essentials on non-essentials for the sake of peace. Move on to the next subject and be lighthearted and humorous. Refuse to be selfish and realize you can't always have it your own way. Especially on non-essentials which often result in spiteful retaliation. Philippians 2.3 says, Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. You cannot defeat selfishness without the Holy Spirit's help. We have a proclivity towards selfishness. We have a selfish bent about all of us. The Holy Spirit has to defeat that selfishness. To overcome selfishness, you must rid yourself of a controlling spirit. You got to have it your way. That's why you have fights. To overcome selfishness, you got to rid yourself of manipulation. You strategizing the, the, 
the partner don't even know you're strategizing. You got a critical spirit. You don't like what's going on. You didn't have your way. Everything's negative from that point on. You insensitive. Some of you scheme. Some of you are prideful. Some of you want self-gratification. It's all about pleasing you and not the other. And look, you know you're selfish because you don't have a heart attitude where you can celebrate what's going on in the lives of others. You can celebrate what's going on in the lives of others. Number eight, a spirit of anger is one of the greatest barriers to healthy communication. A spirit of anger is one of the greatest barriers to healthy communication. Ephesians 4.31 says, let all bitterness, then the next word is wrath. Look at that word wrath. You see that word wrath? W-R-A-P-A. Let's say wrath together. Say it. Say it again. Say it a bit louder. Ooh, that's a word, y'all. When a person is wrathful, this is to be fierce in their anger. They are boiling over in their anger. They are furious in their anger. They are even violent in their anger. Beloved, if you are around someone who is full of wrath, run for your life. Take cover. Get out of their way and don't say a word. You cannot talk sense into a fool. You can't talk sense to a fool. They're, they're full of wrath. They're out of their mind. They're crazy. Just get rid of anger, clamor, and evil speaking. Put it away from you with all malice. If you are angry and full of wrath, there is no telling what will come out of your mouth. Your speech will be disrespectful, offensive, and disgusting. Your words will also bring harm, and you will crush the spirit of those you love the most because of your wrath. Many couples argue and fuss so much until it has become the norm in their marriage. They simply coexist in tension and strife. You've been married 30 years. Fight. No joy. You won't kiss. You won't smile. You text before you talk. Galatians 5.15 says, if you bite, if you bite and devour each other, watch out. Or you will be destroyed by each other. Some of you have been fussing, fighting, and arguing far too long. You will stop fighting one another when you refuse to view your spouse as the enemy. Your spouse is not the enemy. I said, you said, they're not? No! Your spouse is not the enemy. And you need to become a united front to resist and fight the devil. He's your enemy. He's behind the scene. And he is wiping your family out. You're killing your husband. You're killing your wife. And the Satan is saying, oh, good. I'm going to do this. And then you say, pow. 
out and you do this and you cuss him out and you do this and Satan said get him sick him and you growl and you bite and you devour until you kill the marriage Satan loves to take advantage of your anger you need to write that down Satan loves to take advantage of your anger you must ask the Lord to deliver you from it If not, Satan will exploit your anger to the detriment of your family and other relationships. Ephesians 4, 26, 27 says, be angry and do not sin. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Never, husbands and wives, never go to bed angry with one another. Never. Never, never. You say, why? One of y'all may not wake up. And it's bad when death interrupts your marriage and y'all had a knockdown drag out and you can't even kiss and make up. Don't go to bed angry. Settle your differences. Nor give place to the devil. The longer you are angry, the greater opportunity that Satan has to wreak havoc in your marriage. First Peter 5, 8 also says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He's the great enemy. You see that? The devil is your enemy, not your husband, not your wife. It's the devil. Devil. It says, stay alert. Watch out for the great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone who he can devour. Don't be a sucker for the devil. And all God's children said. We can and will communicate effectively within our families as we obediently trust God to move according to his will and in his time. He will give us everything we need when we lift up our eyes to the hills from whence comes our help. Where does our help come from? It comes from God who made heaven and earth. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching or would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit us at Maranatha Bible Church, located at 7855 East Loop 1604 North in Converse, Texas, or call us at 210-821-5683.